Hello there and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with myself, the man who's wandered the woods wearing latex on many occasions, his bread roll. And the man who's with me, if you ever met him and he's wearing a dressing gown, you might want to watch out because he reveals all. It's JT. <laughs> yes, yes I do, unfortunately. Especially because my dressing gown doesn't have the belt anymore. So I don't even, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even mean to reveal all, it just flaps open. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a key component there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lost it when I moved. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why I don't wear it anymore. <laughs> yeah, probably for the best. Then with your parents and all, but still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you for joining us once again. And this week we are looking again at something a bit more modern, not quite as modern as Army of the Dead. But this is a uh, 2018 movie called Mandy, which stars Nicolas Cage. Now, this is a movie... Um, for yourself as well, JT, I remember when the trailer first came out for this, I watched it and I was like, fuck, no, I need, need to see this. This movie looks absolutely crazy. And then it, I don't think it came out in the cinemas in the UK and it never appeared on any of the streaming sites. And it took me until just before last Christmas um, to find a copy on Blu-ray that didn't cost a fortune. And then I watched it for the first time. Um, but it was always one that's been on my radar. I think it's the same for yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, same as you. I think we probably would have texted each other about the trailer, probably sent it to each other when it first came out. Cause it, it did make it look fucking crazy. And I mean, it is pretty crazy without spoiling too much. But yeah, I only saw it for the first time uh, last night. So I was even further behind you, about six months behind you with it. But yeah, it's, it had been on my radar for three years since it came out. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty... I say it's a weird film, isn't it? Because it is a horror, but it's not like... um. I wouldn't say it's a psychological, it's more of like a psychedelic horror. I suppose it would probably be the best word to describe it, really. Well, yeah, I mean, Mandy, <laughs> Mandy's a good title for it, because if anyone knows, obviously, what Mandy is in the uh, world of that kind of thing, yeah, it pretty much is like taking fucking Mandy and then watching a normal film, to a certain extent, I thought. Maybe that's what the crew were on when they were filming it, by explaining yeah, it a few things. Been, it must have been on something, that's all I can say, fucking hell. So the movie is um, set in 1983. And one thing I do like about this film, just off the bat, is I like the way it's shot. It is shot like, unless you knew, I mean, you probably would guess anyway, Nicolas Cage and such, but you'd be mistaken for certain scenes for thinking, you know, this is actually an old film. The way it's shot, it's got the film grain in there, just the way certain scenes linger. It does feel like quite an authentic, olden film, even though it is obviously quite modern. Yeah, it did. And... um the music as well. I'll, I'll talk about the music as we go on, but oh god, yeah, <laughs> words words fail me. <laughs> um, so for those who actually like a bit of cinematography, I've found online that to get that old school cam or like footage effect, uh, the production team used an Ari Alexa camera coupled with a Panavision anoramic format, and together they managed to achieve the old school vibe. So yeah, anyone who's into that sort of thing, that's how they did it. Ah, that's quite interesting, Brad Rowan. A little bit of te technical jargon there for people. You've also set off everyone's Amazon device by mentioning that A word as well when you said that. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's take a look at the, the film itself. Now, it's got a lot of crazy... Well, it's got a lot of crazy shit running through it, left, right and centre, really. But um, there's a lot of strong uh, old-school rock and roll vibes in this uh, particular movie and it kind of is broken into i think it's two chapters i caught so it starts off with one called the shadow mountains um and then later on we get another chapter uh so we open up and we see nick cage's character who's called red miller and he's finishing up his day as a logger or a lumberjack whatever you want to call it 
Um, and it gives us a bit of foreshadowing here to his skills of a chainsaw, which will come into things a bit later on. Um, and this is followed by a bit of a trippy sequence with Andrea Riseborough's character. And she plays the title character, Mandy. And she's smoking and she's doing some art and it's all kind of slow motion and a bit bit weird and out of body. I mean, with the slow-mo, I suddenly thought back to fucking Zack Schneider from last week. I mean, he'd love this film, wouldn't he? There's loads of like slow-mo weird bits in it. I thought exactly the same thing, and I've, I've put it a couple of times. Fucking slow-mo in this. I think this would give Zach a, a run for his money, but him out of slow-mo. There's a lot, isn't there? <laughs> there is. I mean, watching it, I mean, this is only the second time I watched it. I watched it this afternoon, um, and it was easier to follow a bit more this time. Um, but, yeah, I didn't. the first time I watched it, I didn't really take in how much slow-mo was in it. But, yeah, there's quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, the movie runs for two hours and one minute, but I think if they cut the slow-mo out, they could have got it down to about an hour 20, probably. Oh, easily, because there are a couple of scenes that are so drawn out because of the slow-mo, and I thought it was a bit unnecessary. And also, just talking about the intro, I thought this was the polar opposite to um, Army of the Dead last week, which had a really full-on, interesting intro that made me go, fuck me, and really want to watch the film. Whereas the intro on this was boring as fuck. Sorry. It just <laughs> it was just <laughs> fucking boring. <laughs> Here we go. We know what the score is going to be at the end of this. It's not getting many others from JT. Um, so, yeah, I mean, then we get like a look at their, I suppose what they're trying to do here is show like the ideal relationship that these two have. So, it's, again, it's like Cage comes home and they're sort of led in bed at one point and they're talking about the planets and the stars and there's some fucking weird lights going on. It's like yeah. purples and fucking, <laughs> I don't know, like pinks and stuff. It's really like neon-y, trippy. And then we get another slow... I don't know why this shot needs to be in slow motion. I mean, only the fucking director would know. But there's a scene the next day and they're in like this really nice lake on a little boat and it's in slow motion. It's like, you're not fucking moving. There's not even a fucking wave or a ripple in this lake and the shot's in slow motion. It was a really cool shot. I like the way like a lot of the cinematography's done, but why is it in slow-mo? Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? It was just overuse of slow-mo for no reason. At least Zack Snyder, there was points to it, you know, it emphasised certain scenes. But this, it was just like, um, okay, we, we need to make this film a bit longer, right? We'll just make this scene in slow-mo just to make the running length an extra five minutes. I mean, maybe he was filming it for sloths or something, you know, they, they'd be able to keep <laughs> up with it. <laughs> Sloth cam. <laughs> that, that bit, I think, it's around here, when they're in bed, is their bed outside? It, or is it that the effect they're doing because they're talking about the planets? Because they're kind of looking up to the stars. And I know they've got like... Um, a house in the forest, like a wooden, it's a nice place actually, but I was thinking, are they actually out on the balcony led in the bed or is that the effect they're going for because they're talking about planets and stuff? Yeah, uh, to be honest, when I was watching it, I was like, are they led out on like maybe like an mm. old dock by the river because that's what it yeah. looks like, like you say, they're looking up at the stars, but then you do later on seeing a look at their bedroom and it's just, it looks like a little conservatory really and it's all, all glass top. so I don't know if they're in bed or if they're outside I honestly I can't answer that question but wherever they are there's some fucking crazy lights going on that's some crazy fucking 80s keyboard sounds it's like yeah. they've, <laughs> they've discovered like a keyboard but the, the guy doesn't sound like he knows how to play it he's just playing fucking really long sort of notes that don't really go together and oh fucking hell that topped off of all the trippy effects oh what what a fucking intro that's all i can say <laughs> well it's, the next bit kind of confused me because i don't know if this was a dream or if it was reality because we see mandy walking through the woods and she finds a dead animal and she just kind of stares at it and then the next thing they're on the sofa and um and red kind of mentions he sometimes thinks they should move away 
but then Mandy says, oh, I think, you know, I like it here. It's our little silo. And I was like, so has she been asleep and just dreamed that she found a dead animal? Or was that her, like, walking home from work and now they're on the sofa? I, I look, kind of lost track of it a bit there. I had no idea. I, I was already getting lost in this film. We're only about five, ten minutes in. Yeah, she finds, like, a deer, doesn't she? And um, it's dead. And I think before that, Nick, he, he makes this fire by the lake. And then is it her who comes out of the water naked and just stares at him? <laughs> It's like, what the fuck is going on? Have I taken Mandy or what? I don't, I don't fucking understand this. The fucking thing about that shot is like, yeah, like you say, he's making the fire. It's just after they've had like their 10 hour slow mo on the lake. <laughs> he's fucking, he's poking his fire. And then like, she's in the water, but it's just her head poking out. She looks like a fucking golem. When I was like, shit, is, I didn't remember that scene in the movie. I was like, shit, is that like a vision or something? And then, like you say, she comes out. I think also you, you notice quite. Um, prominently, she's got scars on her face, doesn't mm, she? Yeah, so yeah. it kind of hints that maybe she's got past trauma. A uh, trauma, kind of, if I can say the word. <laughs> I've got trauma after watching the film. Um, but then also, I don't know, in this scene, I swear one of her eyes looks different. I don't know if that's just done yeah. for this scene or if it's actually something the actress has. I didn't actually, I wrote it down here and then I forgot about it because obviously my memory's shit. <laughs> and for the rest of the film, I never paid attention, but one of her eyes looks like blacker and like yeah. the, um, like larger than the other one. Did you notice? Yeah, I did. Um, and I think that's in a couple of scenes later on. So I, I think it's an effect they're going for rather than her because she was in um, Black Mirror, wasn't she? She's been in lots of things. Um, she was in the, you know, the one, I think the episode's called Crocodile about the insurance agent. It's a really good yeah, Black Mirror episode. Yeah. I mean, they're all good anyway. And I didn't remember her looking particularly different or her eyes being funny in that. So it's obviously an effect they're going for. I mean, this film's very psychedelic and they're going for that big large people tripping your bollocks off look aren't they I think yeah yeah well, the whole film's trippy um, one thing here as well is um, when they're talking about stars back when they're in bed or on the dock wherever it is they are um, Nick Cage's character um, Red he mentions he'd want to be Galactus and eat the planets and that's a reference to comic books because he himself in real life is a massive comic book fan his name his last name Cage is actually from one of his favourite characters, Luke Cage, when he changed his, whatever his real name, I can't remember what Nicholas Cage's real name is, but he um, got his last name as Nicholas Cage from comic books. So that's like a little throwback to him personally. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Obviously, I'm, I know of Luke Cage from, uh, well, the old, uh, what's her name? I on the fucking name now, but Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big comic book fan, as you know. That's quite funny, actually, that... Um, when Nick's in bed with her and he's like, I want to be whatever it is. And he's like, he eats the planets and he goes, oh, oh, doesn't he like, fucking, <laughs> does this weird fucking Pac-Man thing. At <laughs> the time when you watch these movies, I mean, I, I don't actually dislike Nicholas Cage. I know he's a bit of a, just a joke in general these days, but there's certain movies, this being one of them, where I don't think you could actually cast anyone else to do it. I think they just wind him up and let him go. But like Johnny yeah. Depp, when he plays Jack Sparrow, you probably just give him a bottle of wine, wind him up and just say, <laughs> right, go and do something and we'll film it. Yeah, I think you're right. This this was made for Nick Cage, wasn't it? It wouldn't surprise me if he took some fucking acid when he did this as well. <laughs> so then we um, so then we see Mandy, and she's at work, I believe. Um, she's reading a book, and then she has there's another one of these weird dream sequences where she's walking in the woods, and then suddenly this red haze fog comes up, and this happens a lot. Like this tint will just turn to like a red mm. haze throughout this movie. And then it cuts to her walking down a track. And again, I was like, is she still in her dream or is this reality? And it actually turns out it's reality, though it's still got the red haze around it. Um, and this hippie van is like driving towards her, like a little fucking VW, whatever it is. 
And the guy in the passenger seat, as he drives by, he kind of looks at her and takes notice of her. And it's, again, another slow motion scene. <laughs> they, they're driving at, you know, about, about a normal pace, I suppose, down this track. But it takes him about 20 minutes to drive past her because he's staring at her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said about five minutes ago, and I'm, I'm still lost at this point. I don't know if she's dreaming or what is going on. And then, yeah, I've just got... There's lots of keyboard noises. Everything's red, and there's a bus full of fucking weirdos, which obviously is like a camper van. You know, this is my description of, of this part of the film because I'm sitting here thinking, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> so <laughs> then we cut to a motel where we're introduced to uh, so Linus Roach um, or Roche. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but either way, he's a fucking good actor. He actually plays one of my favourite shows, is Vikings. And he plays King Egbert in that, but he's been in loads of movies. In one of the Riddick movies, I think he's in the shit Riddick movie, but he's in one of them. Um, and he's in all kinds of things. But he plays a character called Jeremiah Sand. Now, fuck me, this guy is basically Charles Manson. I don't know if you picked up on that at all, but like his whole character is pretty much Charles Manson, except he's blonde. Um, and he wants, um, He's talking to a woman called, I think her name's Mother Marlene. Like, Marlene! <laughs> he's talking to her and saying that he, he wants the girl that he's just seen is obviously Mandy. And then he asks for Brother Swan. And when Swan comes in, he's like, I want you to go and get this girl for me. <laughs> and to do so, you need to use something. I think it's called the Spirit of Abraxas, he says. Yeah, and then old right. fucking Swan yanks out his little ocarina and it goes like into this fucking green flashy fucking you're gonna have a seizure if you've got photosensitive epilepsy watching this scene he pulls it out of his pocket and suddenly all this fucking techno lighting goes off and then they're just back in the motel and then he's like oh you can sacrifice the fat guy as well and then it cuts <laughs> to these two complete boneheads watching tv and there's obviously a stereotypical big fucking fat bloke drinking a milkshake and some other blonde fucking surfer dude there and it's like man this is just fucking getting weirder and weirder now <laughs> i just didn't know what they were trying to achieve at all there's, there's one bit, he's talking, old uh, Jeremiah, he's talking to the woman, and um, he's asking, he, he needs this woman he's seen, obviously Mandy, he's like, it's her, and I feel naked without her, and then he just looks at her, and he's like, please be quiet, and get me brother Swam. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, fuck you know. <laughs> so, then we cut back to the shop, and Mandy um, is approached by a customer, who happens to be um, old fucking Marlene. Um, she asks if Mandy lives around here, and she's like, oh, yeah, I live down by Crystal Lake, which has obviously got to be a fucking nod to Friday the 13th, hasn't it, Camp Crystal Lake? I'd imagine so, or Crystal Meth, which would go well with this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking I wish I had someone I was watching this. I wouldn't need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, then we see the Van of Disciples, and that was nighttime, and they're in a clearing, and an old brother fucking swan gets out of his ocarina um, <laughs> and he starts playing it and he summons these bikers and they later become known as the Black Skulls. At this point, we don't know who the fuck they are, but the air turns into that reddish pink haze again. And then they arrive on motorcycles and they're literally like fucking Cenobites, these dudes, aren't they? Like 100%. from Hellraiser, they're fucking mental looking. Um, yep. Then the lead biker approaches him and starts rubbing his face with his big fucking crazy fingers. And then he gives him a jar um, Swan gives this biker a jar and he drinks it. I assume it's blood that he's drinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't fucking know. But I'll tell you what, when they turn up, because it all goes dark and hazy and they turn up and they're revving the engines of their motorcycles, that actually reminded me a bit of the Lost Boys. 
um, in that yeah. scene where they surround Michael's house and they're like, well, I just, all you see is like the silhouettes of them and then like the headlights of the bikes and stuff. I thought, man, this is just like Lost Boys meets Hellraiser right here. Yeah, you're right. And I've got exactly the same thing. I've actually put the Cenobites turn up on quad bikes because they, <laughs> they I, I actually, obviously I knew they weren't the Cenobites, but they're so similar, aren't they? It's just not funny. And why are they on quad bikes? That was pretty random. <laughs> Yeah, it's not exactly badass, is it? I mean, normally when you see bikers, they're on like fucking Harleys or something, aren't they? And they turn up on a bunch of ATVs. Yeah, yeah. And he gives them like, say, this jar. I, I fuck knows what's in it. And then the Cenobite said something. We'll call it a Cenobite. That's what I'll call it. Uh, I have no idea what he said. Are we supposed to know what he said? Because he's like, rim, 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 or something. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> and at this point, seriously, if we weren't reviewing this film, I'd have fucking turned it off at that point. I was like, I can't watch any more of it. <laughs> I can't do it. I literally can't do it. It's just fucking difficult. <laughs> so good job I didn't come out in the cinema over here because we'd have gone and seen it. You probably fucking stormed off. Oh man, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. I think I think what old um fucking Cenobite or whatever his fucking name is. Um, I think he's saying more blood or something, which okay. I assume that's what was in the jar. And then matey boy's like, "Oh, you get it after you job." So basically getting these fucking Cenobite guys to go and get Mandy, basically. So then we cut back to Red and Mandy, and they're watching TV and eating dinner. And then they go to bed, and suddenly, and I'll I tell you what, I think this was a pretty cool-looking scene, but again, it's completely straight out of Hellraiser once again. But the Black Skulls, these Cenobite dudes, they turn up and surround the bed, and like the lights are flashing, and they're getting closer and closer to Cage and Mandy. I thought that looked pretty fucking awesome. And then they've got them both face down and they knock Cage out. Um, and then the fat disciple guy from Jeremiah's clan, he gets sacrificed. We just see him with hands around his face and he's screaming and he fucking vanishes. He gets dragged away, doesn't he? He's just there and then suddenly they just drag him away. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so now fucking Cage is nowhere to be seen at this point in time. And Mandy's been kidnapped by the bondage brigade. Um, but like I say, that's <laughs> that shot when they come into the actual... Um, like the bedroom and the lights are flashing and they're getting close. They look really fucking gnarly at that point. Yeah, it did look quite sinister, I have to say, and that the flashing lights, again, photosensitive epilepsy would not do well with this film because it's fucking mad. The lighting and the effects they use are just fucking crazy, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's trippy. I'm surprised there wasn't a bloody, um, like a warning at the start of the movie because sometimes they mm. have to do that, don't they? If you, you know, suffer from seizures or um, strobe lighting effects may cause headaches or something because there's loads of it in this movie. It fucking changes like tin every fucking two minutes. Yeah, I've never seen it as used as widely as as this. This is just fucking hardly any scene in this film is normal, is it? There's always some fucking weird effect or lighting or something going on. Yeah, and the actual one or two scenes that are normal actually feel out of place because mm. everything else is always so fucking trippy. Like when you actually see a normal scene, you're like, oh, making me eyes go funny now. It's almost like it's not the same film, like you say, and um, there's little sort of cuts of cartoon scenes and all kinds of shit going on. It's just all over the place. So now we've got Mandy, um, and now she's tied to a chair in it's their kitchen, I assume, and you've got Mother Marlene and one of the younger girl disciples sat there, and they're, like, threatening her, and then they inject it with drugs, um, LSD, I suppose, and then they pull out this fucking weird bug from a jar <laughs> and, like, make it sting her in the neck. Um and then Mandy starts tripping out and um, she's taken to a living, the living room where Jeremiah and his cronies are. 
And then he starts going all fucking godly, like states that he saw her and um, she silently called out to him. Then suddenly he, he's led on like the sofa and then suddenly he's dressed up in a fucking Power Rangers dressing gown or whatever he's supposed to be fucking wearing. And he begins preaching like God speaks to him and he says like, you know, God speaks through him and through him he creates music that expresses God's words. Then he puts like a record on that's apparently one that he's made yeah. and starts preaching about how he found God and that he told him that the world is his and he can take what he wants. And he just fucking opens his dressing gown and whips his knob out. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> just I was like, fucking, you know, I mean, this is again Charles Manson because Charles Manson was a failed musician and he had like his fucking drugged up bloody brigade that he had and stuff. I'm just like, man, this guy is just fucking a Jesus freak. It was just so weird. Like, say he puts this record on and he's properly going for it, just spouting all this, like, Jesus rubbish and no, no offense to religious people and all this about how he's the Messiah and stuff. And then I looked down to type a couple of notes quickly. I looked up and he's got his fucking cock out. I'm like, what is going on? And all the fucking music's going on. It's trippy as shit. And I'm like, fuck me. I've been in a few situations like this in my youth, I have to say. But this is giving me fucking flashbacks now. What is, am I having a dream? It's like fucking hell. <laughs> see, see, for all you listeners out there, I wasn't wrong when I said about JT in his dressing gown in the intro. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all well-laid knowledge. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> But the bit here, I mean, this bit fucking cracked me up. So, again, I'd forgotten about this. He's obviously trying to seduce Mandy, who's, like, tied up. Well, I don't know if she's tied up. She's just sat in a chair, and she's fucking drugged off her tits. So off her tits, yeah, she can't move, can she? Yeah, so she just sat there watching old King Egbert of his todge out. And then um, she just starts laughing at him and completely rejects him. And then he fucking, he gets really angry, and he starts having, like, a fucking anger wank, doesn't he? He's, like, cranking oh. one off, going, don't laugh at me, don't laugh at me. And he just fucking <laughs> flips out while fucking cranking one off. Yeah, he's going fucking mad, isn't he? Yeah, jerking off. Yeah, I, fucking hell. <laughs> just sums up this film, doesn't it, this scene? It's just weird. Yeah. I mean, one thing, I don't think, um, I can't remember if you said you played this or not, but the bit where she wakes up and she's like around the table with old fucking Marlene and what's her face, hmm. that to me was completely out of Resident Evil 7. Because there's a scene in that where you're sat around a table and you've got the Baker family as they're known and they're kind of like hillbillies and stuff. And um, Marguerite, who's the villain in that game, she can control bugs and insects. And I was just watching this thinking, fuck me, this is basically Resident Evil 7 at this point in time. I, well, I played Resident Evil 7, but I didn't get very far into it. I got quite bored quickly. And um, that's quite near the start, I think, that bit where you're in that room where they're all eating around the table, isn't it? So I do remember. It is, it. yeah. It's kind of where yeah. the game really starts out, yeah, yeah. the kind of like intro bit, yeah. Yeah, I do, do know what you mean, yeah. But I didn't make the comparison, but probably at this point I was so confused I couldn't compare it to anything. <laughs> people are probably listening to this who may not have seen the film, or maybe people have seen the film thinking, fuck me, what are they talking about? Oh, they're probably thinking, so. we've seen the film and we don't know what they're talking about. I was literally about to say that. I watched it, what, 24 hours ago, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so... So then we get a quick shot of Red, and he's tied up, and his like wrists have got like barbed wire wrapped around him. Um, and then it just cuts straight back to Jeremiah, who's with his disciples, and he turns up right in front of Red. I don't know if he's dressed. He looks topless at this point. I don't know if he's puts any fucking pants or anything on. I doubt. Um, <laughs> and he says to like Red, he's like, you know, you you and Mandy think you're so in love, but I'll show you what love is. And then he gets the girl from his group on her knees and gives her a gun and Lucy. he's like, shoot yourself in the head. Lucy, Lucy, is it? Yeah, I think so. I did take something away from this film. I'm pretty sure she's called Lucy. 
well, Lucy is then, but she's on her knees and he gives her a gun and she puts it to her head and pulls the trigger. But there's no bullet in there, but he's obviously emphasising the fact that he's got these people kind of like around his fucking little finger, really, hasn't he? Like a proper mm. kind of, like you say, a messiah earlier. I think that's what he obviously, he's making himself out to be. Tom DeLonge would be happy. He went through a messiah phase. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I thought she, <laughs> I thought Lucy was going to um, cop an unfortunate one there because obviously it's a bit of Russian roulette. I'm pretty sure there's a, one bullet in the chamber and she does the old spin the barrel, puts a gun to her head and I thought, well, the way this film's going, she's going to fucking blow her brains out. But she doesn't, as you say. Yeah, so then we've got old fucking Brother Swan. He's got some kind of sacrificial knife. It's got a big fancy name but I couldn't be bothered to try and type. Um, I thought, and then I he stabs... what it is. Oh, you got it. Oh, well then. <laughs> I think, and I could be wrong, it's the tainted blade of the pale knight. <laughs> wow. There we go. <laughs> I could well be wrong, though. That's what I got out of it. It's probably not that at all. <laughs> no, it sounds like something that should be in Dark Souls or some RPG. But yeah, fair play. I, I just I went over my head while that was fucking cool, and I couldn't be bothered to rewind it. <laughs> so he stabs Red right in the side, and then he says, the cleansing power of fire cannot be reasoned with. And then they tie Mandy into a sleeping bag and they kind of string her up and then fucking set fire to her right in front of him, which I thought was like, and then they fuck off afterwards. I thought that was pretty fucking brutal because that's a horrible way to go. Yeah, it was quite nasty. And obviously doing it in front of him as well while he's, he can't do anything. He's there fucking almost like Jesus, isn't he, with the barbed wire and stuff. It Obviously, it wasn't barbed wire back then, but it's to symbolise that, I guess. Yeah, it was fucking horrible. And again, I shouldn't laugh, but it's in proper slow-mo, isn't it, while she's burning? It's like, fucking hell, they dragged this out of it. Yeah, because the first time I watched it, and again, I had the, it took a minute to sort of like realise um, the second time around today, but when they first string her up, she's not moving, so I'm like, what, they already killed her? And then when they actually set fire to her, you see like the sleeping bag start to move and swing, mm. like she's in there, obviously, because it's in slow motion, you've got the old fucking... I don't know, synth man on his keyboard going off on one. <laughs> you don't hear any screaming. You just kind of see the look on Cage's face and then like they're all laughing and she's flapping around as you would be if you were set on fire. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise at first, the first time I watched it, that she was actually alive in that sleeping bag. Yeah, it's quite nasty, actually. Yeah, it's not, not nice at all. And the fact they just fucking drive off and leave him there to watch is oh, horrendous, isn't it? But the next bit, though, he's, he's obviously been tied up and stuff with this barbed wire. He's been... And he just manages to get his, his hands out, doesn't he, without fucking slicing them to pieces. Obviously, they're cut, don't get me wrong, but I can't see how he manages to slip his hand out without severing some severe arteries going on there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's proper, like, the barbed wire that you see is a proper gnarly stuff. And they got it wrapped mm. in his mouth as well. They're, like, yeah, gagging yeah. with it as well. And it's like, yeah. if, he, if it was that loose, he would have been able to get pull himself free beforehand. And like you say, there's no way he would have gone out of there without absolutely fucking shredding, shredding his hands and his fucking fingers, a whole lot of it. Well, he'd have slit his wrist, wouldn't he? He would have bled out, I'm pretty sure. I mean, there there are some, obviously, quite deep cuts and stuff, but I don't think he'd have got out of that. Then he just sort of crawls up to um, Mandy's smouldering ashes, which I thought was quite horrific as well. And he sort of picks up her head and it all sort of just crumbles, doesn't it? It's fucking horrible. Yeah. No, I mean, this is... This is kind of where the movie actually kind of starts if you mm. want something interesting to watch. I mean, the slow burn start, you know, it's, it's not, it's just fucking all over the place. It takes a while to really get your head around what's going on here. And it doesn't matter about the fact that Jeremiah just looks like fucking Iggy Pop in the dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing, when he says, um, I, swear, I swear there's a line he says, it's like he calls them like poor stupid pigs. And that's another throwback to uh, Charles Manson because he used to refer to his 
disciples, I'm calling them as pigs as well. So he must be definitely fucking reference or like based on that character. Well, there's too many references to be coincidence now, isn't there? I mean, it's got to be. I mean, that can't be a coincidence. But in the next scene, though, we see old uh, Nick Cage, and he's all cut up. He's managed to break totally free. He's got no barbed wire around him anymore, but he's covered in blood. He's got a fucking T-shirt of a tiger on it and just some tighty-whities, isn't he? I mean, I shouldn't laugh, because this fucking scene, obviously, it's both like a grieving sequence, isn't it? But yeah, he just kind of Mm. staggers into his house with his fucking wife fronts on, (laughs) his fucking tiger (laughs) T-shirt, just the fucking hell. And then he, he kind of collapses... Um, and he like falls asleep, and then we get this um, this kind of cartoon, don't we? Like it's, it's like a dream sequence, but it's done as like an animated cartoon of Mandy just decaying and zombifying. I oh, guess. Yeah, yeah. He he goes fucking mad as well. Obviously, you would what he's just seen. He gets this fucking huge bottle of vodka, doesn't he? And just starts absolutely yeah. fucking smashing it down. He drinks about three quarters of it in about a minute, and he's pouring it on his cuts and that, and it, obviously that fucking hurts. So he just drinks some more. I mean, he has an absolute breakdown, but you would, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I was I was watching this, and part of it made me laugh because it's Nicolas Cage mm. being Nicolas Cage. But again, what this part of the movie was portraying, I was like, yeah, you're actually, you, you just wouldn't know what to do, would you? If you just saw something that horrific, like your missus, your loved one being fucking burnt alive, you just wouldn't know what to do, would you? And he's like screaming and crying, and then he drinks, and then he just screams again, then he sits on the toilet and just... <laughs> It's just this weird sequence. And again, it's one of those scenes that I think you could probably only do that in one take. And it's one yeah. of those ones where the director must have just said to Kay, just like, look, this is what I'm looking for. Just go in there and give me something. And it yeah, must definitely. have just been done in one shot. You couldn't cut and re-angle that. It just, it's something, again, only he could do, which again makes this movie pretty much made for him, doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a continuous shot. And let's just hope it was water in that bottle and not vodka because he drinks a fucking lot of it. He fucking does. He plows it down, doesn't he? But then again, I suppose, yeah. I think Cage is probably a bit of a, you know, party boy. I'm sure he can handle it. Yeah, probably. It probably is like water to him, isn't it? <laughs> so now Cage has kind of recovered from his toilet tantrum and his vodka. <laughs> <laughs> he heads to a caravan to see his friend, um, played by the legendary Bill Duke, who plays a character called Carruthers. And... um Anyone who loves a good old classic action movie, I remember Bill Duke, he played Cook in Commando. He's also known for playing Mac in uh, Predator as well and a few other things here and there. Cook. Do you know, every time <laughs> every, every time I watch football or something and there's a player called Cook, I always have to go, Cook. I don't know why it's always stuck with me. It's fucking stupid, isn't it? I like the way oh. um, old uh, Bill Duke's character as well. He's got fuck off written on the front on his caravan door, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, marker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old cook. I, a funny story about I've got to tell this um, just because it's fucking stupid casting. Um, so the X Men movies um, before the MCU, before comic book movies were good. Like X Men was obviously quite a big franchise, and in the third X Men movie, which is universally panned as being a shit movie and rightfully so, Bill Duke plays a character called Trask. Now, for those who don't know, Bill Duke is about a six foot two or six foot four massive like black fella big dude and he plays a character called trask and this is typical hollywood being fucking weird with their casting a few movies later they recast him by fucking um peter dinklage who's like a three foot <laughs> white dwarf <laughs> Same fucking <Wow>. character. <laughs> that's uh that's pretty good i mean yeah wow <laughs> that's yeah. couldn't get much more different could you 
Exactly, yeah, they couldn't even find someone who fucking, you know, looks <laughs> I know he's supposed to be a younger one, but it's like, but it's being younger and then there's being, you know, a, a black man and there's being a white dwarf, isn't there? It's like, it's a bit fucking different. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. right, go on, love but, Hollywood, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, good old Hollywood. So, Cage speaks to old uh, Bill Duke, or Carruthers, as he's called in this, and he asks for the Reaper, which is a sort of like a hunting crossbow, big scope and stuff on it. But then Carruthers gives him some special arrows and he says they cut through bone like a fat kid cuts through cake. Yeah, I like that. That's quite good. <laughs> and then Cage kind of breaks down here. And again, it's not a bad performance from him because he's trying to explain what he's doing and he's trying to obviously tell Carruthers what happened. Um, and he's saying like these weird kind of like hippie evil freaks came in and obviously killed Mandy. And then Carruthers kind of gives a bit of backstory, he kind of mentions he knows about them. They're called the Black Skulls. And he says that they're um, they're kind of a dark power, and they're a biker gang that used to be drug couriers. And then they took a really bad batch of LSD, and it must have been the fucking worst batch of LSD, considering yeah. they turned into bloody Cenobites and turned into like sadomasochists <laughs> and fucking weirdos and stuff. But that gives them a little bit of backstory. And then Red fucking magically constructs this mental-looking axe. It looks oh, like it belongs yeah. in some kind of crazy video game. And not being, I'm not a blacksmith, as you know, but I do like watching the show Forged in Fire. I don't think there's any way on earth this axe could have been realistically made. He starts off pouring mercury <laughs> in, and then it turns into fucking steel. It's, it's, it's crazy, like... isn't it? He's, he's got this, like, obviously, this mould, and he's pouring it in and stuff, and he's forging it and all that. And then he pulls it out, and it's fucking perfect. I expect him to put it above his head and go, by the power of Greyskull, or something fucking stupid. <laughs> it's like, how have you made that? That's like, you know, absolutely perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, this film is very far-fetched anyway, but fuck me. Jesus. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, but this, this axe just takes it to a whole other level. And just another thing that's weird, I actually quite found this funny because it was filmed specifically just for this movie. At one point, uh, Red's look at watching a TV and there's like a Cheddar Goblin commercial. Did yeah. you pick up on that? And it's, uh, I did. He actually gets to watch the whole commercial. The actual camera focuses on the TV and you watch the mm. whole thing. I was like, fuck me, if that was real, that's probably something I could have enjoyed as a kid. But I'm just thinking it's so random. They made a point of filming this. You can actually get Cheddar Goblin t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder. I saw that. And like you say, you get the whole commercial. And um, I thought they must have made this specially for for this, pro- this film because that can't be real. It's pretty fucking weird. So then we get another, I suppose, like one of the chapters. It just comes up saying Mandy. And the writing that comes up, I think, looks pretty cool. It's like um, um, fucking Norwegian death metal writing, isn't it, that you can't read. It sort of starts off, you can read it, and it melts into just fucking nothing, really. But yeah, it reminded me of the sort of Norwegian death metal bands. Their sort of logos are all in that style of writing, aren't they? Definitely, yeah. I mean, Mandy herself, like when we see her, she's always wearing, she wears like Motley Crue t-shirts. Um, mm. I think she wears a Black Sabbath one at one point. So it's, it's obviously, like I said, there's a lot of rock vibes going for this. But yeah, your spawn it is one of those kind of black metal things. Well, I think, now, sorry, sorry, before you carry on, one of, the, one of the blurbs I read before I started watching this was something about a heavy metal horror. And I was like, well, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? So obviously that was coming from that as well, I guess. I guess so, yeah. But this movie, apart from her two T-shirts and like a couple of the undertones, because the art we see her drawing and something that happens later, again, it looks like a kind of a cover to a, like a power metal band, or like you say, one of the black metal bands from somewhere. But there's no actual music in this, really, apart from fucking old King Eckbert's song when he's flopping his cock out. <laughs> um, 
there's not really like a soundtrack to go to it. It's all that kind of weird, synthy, wavy, crazy shit, isn't it? There's not actually music going on. Yeah, most of it is just some fucking guy off his tits hitting a keyboard, isn't it? Yeah, right. It's like Depeche Mode on a bad day. <laughs> Depeche Mode are good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying on a bad day. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Very fucking bad day. <laughs> <laughs> now, this whole end sequence, before we go into it, I don't know about you, but this is Mad Max, for my opinion. He just goes on a revenge and hunts down these bikers and dispatches them one by one. This is pretty much Mad Max, just done with a much better kind of, I don't know, quality of effects, I guess. Yeah, it's like we've talked about before, where it's almost two films in one, isn't it? Because the first half is just crazy, psychedelic, what the fuck is going on? And it, it just, like I say, turns into a revenge film with a fair bit of gore in the last sort of 45 to an hour, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And I think a lot of this, these elements are the bits that were shown in the trailer. And I, I remember the first time I was mm. watching this, I was like, obviously, I'll get to me, obviously, my my final thoughts at the end. But yeah, I was kind of waiting. I was like, I just want to see all the crazy shit. I just want to see Nicolas Cage go off on one. And this is the <laughs> kind of part of the movie you're really just waiting to see, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I could have quite happily not watched that first half, to be honest. <laughs> so Red's now driving. It's nighttime and he's hunting um, the bikers. And then he, he catches one of them. He, he snipes him with his crossbow. And I think this um, particular bike is supposed to be called Scratch, but I'm not too sure. They do have names. Um, oh, I've got no idea of any of their names. So I can't help that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he tries to run him down. And the, the guy stands back up and he starts shooting the car. And then it just fucking flips over. I, don't, I didn't catch what went wrong there. But he's being shot at. And then suddenly his car does this massive flip. Then mm. we get another animated dream sequence of Mandy... Um, and then Red wakes up and he's now tied to a fucking uh, bloody radiator in a basement. And one of his hands has been nailed to a floorboard. It's like, well, that fucking escalated quickly. You, you were about to kill this guy. Now you're fucking tied up. Yeah, there's a few bits. I mean, this film is all over the place. Um, again, we, well, I know we talk about this nearly every week, but it's almost like a missing scene again because it doesn't flow at all, does it? I thought he killed that Cenobite, whatever you want to call him. And then the next thing, like you say, he's handcuffed to a fucking radiator. His hand nailed to the floor. I was like, how did he get there? <laughs> yeah, he just fucking goes from one extreme <laughs> to the other. Yeah. And he's in the he's, he's in the room. So he's obviously one hand's nailed to the floor. One's like handcuffed to like a really rusty looking fucking drain pipe, I suppose we'll call it. And in the room with him is one of the um the Cenobites. Um and he, and he turns up, the Cenobite walks up to him and like, it says something, I don't know what he fucking says, he says something, and he slashes red across the um, chest and he just turns around and goes, that was my favourite shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did, that did make me laugh. But yeah, he, he sort of slaps him about a bit, doesn't he, the old Cenobite, gives Nick a bit of a slap in here and there. But yeah, that bit of the shirt did make me fucking laugh. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the skull's kind of, the um, Cenobite guy, he's slapping him around and as he's being knocked, Cage is like pulling his handcuffed hand away from this rusty drain pipe. And then he pulls it loose and fucking batters the Cenobite over the head. And then he's like, you're a vicious snowflake. It's him <laughs> on the fucking head. And then he falls down. Suddenly there's a massive fucking hole next to him. Like a fucking, I don't know what it's supposed to be, like a wishing well or something. But old Cenobite takes a tumble and falls yeah. down to what we assume is a grim death. And I'm like, where the fuck are they right now? <laughs> they're in a basement or they're in like fucking Mordor or something. Yeah, I didn't understand that. He just sort of falls down this pit and then old Nick breaks free from the, the radiator, pulls his hand out and he, he's free as a bird now, isn't he? And then he finds a box cutter or a Stanley knife for, uh, if you're English, like ourselves, but box cutters, I think they're more widely known as. Yeah, 
yeah, he does. And he, and he heads upstairs. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but he finds like this room. And there's like an old woman. She's led in bed. Like she's dead, but she's like led down under the covers. And then I assume it's her husband. He's his old geezer. And he's just bent over naked with loads of blood around his ass. And it's like, well, fucking hell, he had a bad evening, didn't he? <laughs> Whatever happened to him. Yeah, again, I didn't really understand where uh, old Nick was at this point. And he just sees this dead couple in the room. And then the next bit did make me chuckle, to be fair. He goes into another room and there's like one of the biker dudes, Cenobites, whatever you want to call them. He's fucking snorting coke and watching porn, isn't he? <laughs> as a proper fucking stereotypical porn the guy on the tv he's got a fucking porn tash he looks like Burr yeah. Reynolds giving he some does. old fucking sort a bit of a rosher in and <laughs> fucking this this Cenobite he's doing a scar face isn't he? he's got like a fucking mountain of cocaine in front of him and he's just got his fucking head in it <laughs> he's not doing lines he's doing fucking he's just putting his face in it isn't he he's not, uh, I, I, I had to like double take I was like is that yeah that is coke fucking hell what the hell is going on again <laughs> Yeah, it just goes fucking weird. He's come out of a basement. He's found some guy who's been rogered to death, and now he's got... <laughs> I mean, th- this dude, this um, Cenobite, he's a big fucker, isn't he? I mean, he mm. fucking Big Dave a run for his money. So they have a bit of a tussle, but he takes him down pretty easily, doesn't he? They have a bit of a scrap. And then yeah. Cage, like, the guy's on top of Cage, and Cage slits his throat, and then just gets an entire mouthful and face full of fucking blood that pours out for about three minutes. Yeah, he just properly bleeds out all over old Nick, doesn't he? I'm assuming he used the Stanley knife. To, to cut him that was the whole point of him picking it up but then doesn't another one come in at this point and they have another bit of a scuffle and old cage breaks its neck doesn't he yeah well i think this is the same one that he threw down that bloody hole so oh, i don't know where he, he came back from but yeah he appears with a shotgun doesn't he um and they have a bit of a tussle and then yeah like cage um obviously fucking sorts him out as well isn't this where he looks at the camera and pulls that fucking incredible face <laughs> After he kills that centipede, he just does a crazy Nick Cage face, and then he he just does a casual bit of coke before he leaves, doesn't he? <laughs> casual. He fucking he's got a bit of broken glass, and he scoops out like a fucking a ton of this fucking cocaine, and just like face plants it. It's like, you know, you fucking fly into the moon if you did that. <laughs> That's true, but the state he's in at the moment, I don't think it probably have much effect on him. No, but he also conveniently finds his fucking axe and his crossbow again, doesn't he? Like the axe is like on display above like the fucking kitchen counter and then in the fucking larder is fucking crossbows in there <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't get that i was thinking is he back at his house now why is his weapons out i don't fucking know where he is doesn't at this point now he tries a bit of acid out of that jar there's the jar the cenobites have been fucking drinking from or whatever and he does a bit and isn't it acid in there and he fucking properly trips out I, I didn't know that was that. I knew there was something in there because first of all, he picks up this jar and it's got fuck knows what in it, and he has the bright idea to stick his finger in and try some. I would, <laughs> yeah. I'd be fucking, I ain't touching that shit. But yeah, but he has like an Indiana Jones moment, like he envisions his fucking his face melting and all kinds, doesn't he? And there was this fire around him, and that's his proper like mental trip. Yeah, he does. I mean, I just assumed it was acid, just based on what was going on in the film. It could be fucking anything, but yeah, the Indiana Jones, it does, yeah. Yeah, his face all melts and stuff, and he's tripping out fucking big time at this point now. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, with the evening he's having, I'd have had some more probably. I don't know if I'd have just left it alone or taken the whole lot. I mean, he's not, it's not going to do better or worse for him, is it? No, I probably would have left the acid alone, but I might have bagged up some of that coke, but that's another story. <laughs> well, it looks like Burt Reynolds on the TV doing his job. You don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Squirt Reynolds, more like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so then old uh, redhead's outside after his bit of nose candy and his little head buzz 
Um, and it's just one of the, the last scholar, I think it is, at this point. And he's just standing by a burning car, which I assume was Red's car that he was driving earlier. Well, and no, he shoots it. Could be anyone's fucking car. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And he fires a crossbow and it sort of fucking hits the guy in the back and he, or goes through like his back of his neck through his throat. And he doesn't even react. And then like a few minutes later, he like reaches up and just pulls the arrow out. Loads of blood spills out, but he's still on his feet. So then they just have a good old fashioned fight, don't they? Like um, Red's got his axe. This dude, Cenobite guy, has got a knife. And they have a pretty good fight sequence one on one. And the yeah, Cenobite's kind of taunting him saying, oh, your, your wife still burns. She burns and all this sort of shit. And then I thought he was going to start singing bloody Finch at one point going on that she burns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. He even says it in that sort of vein, doesn't he? She burns. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, and obviously Nick Cage gets the upper hand and manages to, to kill this geezer and then magically finds a cigarette on the floor and just starts smoking. <laughs> that made me laugh because he, he's there having his fight. And for a start, the Cenobite's got this fucking flick knife and Cage's got an exercise of fucking England. Anyway, they're fighting <laughs> and stuff. Cage manages to chop this guy's head off and he... Like the, the Cenobite falls into the burning car, and then old Cage lights the fag from the Cenobite's burning head, doesn't he? Where it's been like caught fire in the flames from the car, and Cage just lights a fag off it. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> thing is, like, Cage is like smoking this cigarette, and again, he's pulling one of these fucking weird faces, isn't he? He looks like, I don't know if he's like constipated or like if he's just smoking a fucking weird reefer, but he's just got this weird, <laughs> I mean, not being funny, but everything he's gone through, I'd probably have a weird look on my face, but. As is Nicolas Cage, it just makes it more entertaining. Yeah, it does. He does pull some very good faces in this. Um, yeah, that, that bit did make me chuckle. This next bit I, bit I did not understand. So he goes to like an acid factory now, doesn't he? He's on one of the Cenobite's fucking bikes. And he turns up to like this fucking acid factory, I'm assuming it is. like a And there's a guy wearing like a fucking leather apron just dipping acid and a tiger in a cage. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, this is weird. Because the guy who plays the chemist, uh, a guy called Richard Brake, I think his name is. I mean, he's another guy who turns up in loads of stuff. He's he's one of those actors who he's good, but he's unfortunately, he's got an unfortunate look. There's only certain characters he play or, or can get away with playing, and they're always fucking complete weirdos or like <laughs> um, like crazy people. And then I don't even get, like you just said, he talks to Cage or Red and brings out all this dialogue, and I didn't have a clue what he was going on about. So I'm not following no. anything you're saying or how this is elevating the movie. And then he just lets the fucking tiger out, yeah. um, who runs off. And I think the tiger's called, like, Zoe or something like that. Lizzie, I've got here. Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie is it? Yeah. I didn't even know why the tiger was there. I thought, is it going to have a part in the film? You know, obviously, last week we had a zombie tiger. This was a real one. Um, and it just sort of runs off. I was like, okay, that was pointless. Yeah. It's just because, you know, I don't know, Red's character was wearing a tiger t-shirt at one point and they're like, oh yeah, let's just put a real tiger in there. I'm surprised <laughs> I wasn't a fucking box of corn, um, Frosties or something on one of the counters. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's fucking weird. And the old uh, chemist tells, uh, goes a bit weird now and tells Nick to go north, I think, doesn't he? He kind of gives him a, a place to go. At this point, I'm, I'm still as lost as I was an hour ago. But <laughs> I think he, he gives him some directions of, of where to go to find fucking Jeremiah and his posse, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, we do because then we get another really weird animated sequence. And not being funny, these sequences they, they they're weird the way they flit into the movie. But I like the animation, like the style of it. I think looks really cool. Um, but it's like it's Mandy, and she's hugging like some big fucking purple tiger thing that looks like it's just oh, been yeah. injured. And I was like, 
these tiger references i'm there's either something really clever here or i'm just completely missing the point because there's like the third or fourth tiger reference we've had now yeah yeah you're right yeah it's a weird scene and then she i think she pulls its heart out or one of its organs out doesn't she in this weird cartoony dream sequence whatever it's supposed to be but it doesn't seem to be any point to it yeah so as jt said the chemist points him towards what he refers to as the children which turns out to be jeremiah and his crew so at this point he's um, Red's killed all the um, the black skulls, as they call that, the Cenobites. And it's cool as like the fights were in that. It's like they kind of went down a bit easy, didn't they? And didn't put a much of a fucking fight against him, considering they look like demonic mental cases. Yeah, they weren't great, were they? I mean, one of them was off his tits on coke and watching porn, I guess. So, you know, he was probably not, <laughs> not in his best shape. But yeah, they, they didn't put up much of a fight at all. I mean, one guy had a bit of a go when, you know, with his little flick knife against the fucking sword. But yeah, pretty, pretty flimsy, really, weren't they? Yeah. So it's kind of daybreak now, um, and Red's tracking the hippies, and he finds the van that's got Brother Swan and the girl in it, and I've forgotten her name again already. Well, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Lucy, that I do. Um, so he kills <laughs> um, he kills Brother Swan, and this is a fucking gnarly death, because he kind of twats him on the back of the head to start with. And then Swan's kind of like hunched down against a tree, and he's like spouting off, and then cage puts like the the hilt of his like fucking axe which has got a big spike on it through his mouth and out the back of his throat and just loads of blood just starts spurting out yeah it was pretty gnarly he sort of forces it in a couple of times as well and the blood's and he's gurgling and stuff and i thought that was pretty fucking brutal actually lucy's just sort of stood there watching yeah and he kind of just lets her go doesn't he i don't think he kills her no, I don't think we see her again. I certainly haven't got her mention again in my notes. I think that's the end of her, but in a good way, she just goes. I mean, she to be fair, she didn't really... She seemed pretty innocent. She didn't really get involved in much, did she? Yeah. Yeah, she just... Yeah, just in the background. Apart from that bit where, like, she had the empty gun to her head. She doesn't yeah. really do anything. So, yeah, I suppose he just doesn't see her as much of a threat or he understands that she's probably just an unwilling participant in the Jeremiah cult. Yeah, I imagine so. But yeah, I think, like you say, we don't see her again. So yeah, we assume she she did live. So now it's suddenly dusk again. Like the dragon days come and go in this movie. Um, And he finds another disciple waxing a car. And he just fucking launches the axe, doesn't he? And it goes straight into his fucking (laughs) head and kills him. I mean, not being funny, that axe is like, like you said, it's about the size of fucking England. And he hefts it with (laughs) much for some fucking welly, like, Arnie would be hard-pressed to throw it at that velocity, but he manages it, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a good shot as well. <laughs> but you kind of get a side-on view, if I remember rightly, and he just sort of embeds in this dude's head and you sort of see it from the side and his blood just spurts out. And it's almost cartoon-like, isn't it? It is. It's fucking... It's a bit <laughs> stupid. And I think just before this, actually, there's a, there's a scene, and again, talking about drawn-out scenes earlier, he's back on one of the little quad bikes and he's going through a tunnel after he's spoken to the chemist. And then he gets stuck in the mud. Yeah. So he gets off the bike and starts walking. But that scene where he gets stuck in the mud goes on for about fucking 10 minutes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he just gets stuck and he's trying to fucking rev it a bit and the wheels are spinning. And yeah, don't, he might even go in slow-mo to emphasise the fact he's stuck again. But it certainly went on for a good couple of minutes and it really didn't need to. It had no bearing on anything really, did it? No, I mean, all they had to do is, like, right, he's riding this way. Then it could just cut to him killing old fucking car waxer. But, yeah, I was watching. I was like, what's happening in the scene? I'm just like, I'm just watching him, like, spinning his fucking wheels in the mud. And he keeps looking behind him like it's going to change something. It's like, fucking hell. 
Fuck it, it reminded me of um, Top Gear or like the Grand Tour. I know you're not a fan of them, but when they go on these stupid adventures and get stuck in the mud, and they do it for like comedy effect a lot, it's obviously exaggerated, and it just reminded me of that. It's like if you're fucking stuck, just get off the bike and walk. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> so after he's hefted his fucking England axe at this geezer, he finds a chainsaw. Then he happens across another one of the disciples who happens to have an even bigger fucking chainsaw. It's about <laughs> fucking about a mile long. Can you get um, chainsaws that big? I'm, I'm not oh, an expert. I don't know. But it's fucking about 10 foot long. Can't be fucking <laughs> safe, can it? <laughs> I'm just thinking, yeah, what exactly are you going to try and cut down with that? Like, that you wouldn't use like a big fucking appliance for. But either way, it's like, it is like fucking about 10 foot long. It's absolutely <laughs> stupid. They have this like, Again, this is a pretty cool fight scene, and apparently this was all shot at night, which in itself was a fucking nightmare to film from something I read, as you can imagine, um, mm. for safety and just, you know, being able to do stuff effectively with the right lighting and whatnot. But yeah, they have this big old fucking fight, and they both kind of disarm each other. So then old um, giant chainsaw dude, he picks up Cage's normal-sized one, and Cage gets his hand on this big fucking chain and he like <laughs> lobs it and like it wraps around this guy's head and he pulls him forward and he just falls under the chainsaw and about fuck knows how much blood comes out. But you just see him like on a top down view flapping out on this bloody <laughs> chainsaw with fucking blood spurting everywhere. He got me a bit confused of how he died. So obviously you see him wrap the chain the chain around his neck. Good shot as well by old Nicholas Cage. Bit of a lasso effort there. Good, good work. That would have been quite difficult to do. And obviously, I assumed he dragged him onto the chainsaw. I don't know if I missed the actual bit where he did it. But then, like you say, you see a top-down view of him just fucking shagging the floor with blood coming out of him. Obviously, pretty gruesome way to die, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm wondering, again, if this is another throwback. I mean, it's a cool sequence anyway when he picks up a chain. It's a big old fucking chain as well. It like is, a massive, yeah. chunky thing. Um, but Nicolas Cage, again, um, back in the day, played Ghost Rider, which is a shit film that no one ever needs to watch. One of his main weapons is he has a chain wrapped around his wrist and he uses that as like a whip. So I'm wondering if somehow that's just a little nod to that because he's been mm. on the bike and now he's got the chain or whether it is just the fact that the director wanted him to kill him that way. But I just thought there's a few little throwbacks here to bits and pieces. Fucking Ghost Rider. I remember I got a free copy of that, didn't I? And I gave it to you. Is that right? On a, on Blu-ray. One of the first Blu-rays yeah. we ever got, yeah, I when think it, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, when it first came out, when the PS3 was launched, wasn't it, back in the yeah. day? And I've still yeah. got that exact copy, but I don't think I've ever watched it. It's just on my shelf. Uh, there we go. God, that's a memory, isn't it? Yeah, fucking hell. That must have been the first Blu-ray I ever owned, and I just gave it to you. What a nice friend I am, Brad Roll. I <laughs> know, oh, and I've still got it. It's a treasured memory, even if it is Nick ah. Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so after old Eats killed old fucking Shaggy Chainsaw Man, um, he now just happens to stumble across a church. And I don't know about you, but this... There's something video gamey about the end of this, isn't it? Like you're just—he wakes up somewhere, just happens to find all his gear, fights a boss, moves along, fights a boss, moves along, fights a boss, then just happens yeah. to find like where he needs to be, like the church. It's got like fucking Resident Evil or something written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah, it has a bit, and like even the the church itself is just like a fucking cross, and it's all red lighting around it in mist and stuff, and he goes down this sort of tunnel. I mean, that's quite Resident Evil-ish, I thought, as well. Yeah, and it's the fact that it's just in this... It's a really, like, shitty little... I mean, it's obviously supposed to be. That's, I know that's probably how they build those sort of churches and stuff, but it's just this bog-standard little, like, building with a spire in the middle of a fucking quarry. Like, mm. where's your flock going to come from? It's just so randomly placed, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Well, this whole film's fucking random. 
<laughs> so he's going down these tunnels, as JT said, and then he locates Mother Marlene, and she says something. I, to be honest, I didn't catch a single word of what she said at this point. No um, idea. <laughs> and then it kind of fades to black. <laughs> it goes into like a fucking, I don't know what it's supposed to be, like this big kind of like circular tunnel. I know Jeremiah's in there wearing a big fucking nappy, like shagging the wall, and he's fucking, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing, but he's fucking, he's obviously off his head like, I wish I was, but fucking yeah. doing some crazy shit, um, preaching about God once again, and then um, Red just ends up grabbing his face or his head and crushing it in his hands, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, it's quite funny, though, because he, he grabs him and he, he sort of pulls him down and he's at his sort of groin level, old Jeremiah's at sort of at Nick Cage and he offers to, to suck him off doesn't he to let him go he's like I'll suck you off <laughs> so what the fuck although the state Nick Cage is in he probably would have accepted if he was thinking differently well yeah because even um, he, he goes demonic doesn't he in a way yeah. um, Nicholas Cage he says I'm your god now but it's like this really deep fucking monstrous voice that he does you know so Fuck knows what's going on, but yeah, that bit where he um crushes his head is pretty brutal because like his fucking eye pops out and you can see like all, yeah hear all his skull crunching and all that sort of stuff. So it's a pretty brutal effect again. Yeah, and he, he flicks his fucking Zippo lighter open, old Nick Cage in slow mo, sort of chucks <laughs> it, burns the place down, and just fucking walks off in slow mo. Yeah, I'm not sure why that needed to be in slow mo. Just him getting his fucking lighter out, <laughs> just, just in case <laughs> wow. you didn't catch what it was he had in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then yeah he, he walks off and then he, he gets into his car and he's, he's sort of driving along and then he sees the ghost of Mandy in the passenger seat and this bit cracked me up because the first time I watched this I sent you a picture of his face in this scene and he's kind of looking at her and then he just pulls this fucking really demented I don't know if it's supposed to be a <laughs> smile or a grimace or whatever he just pulls a fucking Nicolas Cage face and then it all like pans up the camera and suddenly like the world's warped into some kind of fucking weird like I say, power metal painting or something. There's like fucking weird yeah. mountains and castles and moons and you fucking name it. Pans up and it's all this crazy shit going on and then it just ends. So I don't know if like, <laughs> if he's still alive, if he's in the real world, if he's in the demon world. I have no idea what the end of this movie is trying to tell me. No, that is the best bit of the film. He just fucking turns around, looks at the camera. His <laughs> face is absolutely caked in blood. He's got a fucking beard, but you can hardly see it. It's just like fucking covered in blood as well. But you can make out the sort of fuzz on his face. His eyes are fucking demonically wide with huge fucking trippy pupils. And he just fucking pulls this huge smile at the camera. It's brilliant. It's the best bit of the film. <laughs> <laughs> that's just so good. You have to use that as a like thumbnail. It's... That's got to be the yeah. thumbnail. <laughs> I might have to, to give the listeners a, a bit. I might even have to just set it as my fucking background on my laptop or something. I'll get it on a T-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this face is the fucking, it's the money shot, isn't it, pretty much? It fucking Don't tell old Burt Reynolds, but... <laughs> Man, that that was genius. Excellent. It was just pure Nick Cage, wasn't it? It is, it is, absolutely. So that's how the movie kind of ends. Um, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing what you're going to score this, but just to keep the audience waiting, I think I'm going to go first this week. Yeah, you, my, you uh, go first. My score. Yeah, you, you do it. Yeah, go for it. Right, so I watched this film, as I said earlier, um, a bit before Christmas. That's probably about six months ago now, roughly, um, or maybe a bit longer. And I watched it, and i got to say, I was a bit disappointed because I was like, after watching the trailer and waiting a few years to finally get my hands on the copy, I watched it, and I was like, well, apart from the last hour, I don't have a fucking clue what I just watched. Um, and even that, I wasn't sure about. Second time round, when I watched it this afternoon, 
I enjoyed it a lot more. I took it in a bit more, even though it was still fucking bonkers. And I still don't quite understand what I'm supposed to be watching. But I kind of had a bit more of an expectation of what I was going to be watching. Um, for the most part, I quite like the way it's shot. The psychedelic style and the synth music, I think, are really good. It's just the fact that the synth music itself is pretty shit. Like, if the music was better quality, it would have been better. And the mix of high fantasy, I really like, but I don't quite get what it means for the movie. Um, it's definitely a role that was made for Nick Cage. I don't think there's any other actor who could have done this movie. Um, I probably would watch it again. I do own it, but I probably have to give it maybe... I think I'm going to give it about three others. That's being a bit generous because this movie will fucking confuse the majority of people that watch it. Or, I mean, the first time I watched it, I was just like, I don't actually know what I watched. I'm just glad I had a bottle of wine in the hand at the time. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to be a classic. It's not going to be the thing. It's not going to be alien. Um, but it could be a bit of a cult comedy movie to watch when you've had a few drinks as time goes on. I think the more you watch it, the more you'll enjoy it. But yeah, it's getting three others from me. Oh. That's ballsy bread roll, I have to say. <laughs> so when we discussed this last week and we, we said, what are we going to do then? Let, let's do Mandy. Obviously, you'd already seen it at this point. And I said to you, it's on Prime Video at the moment, so I'm going to have to pay for it one way or the other. Shall I buy it or shall I rent it? And you were like, I'd probably just rent it if I was you. That was a preempt <laughs> as to what was going on. And, wow, okay, where do I start? This is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> I fucking hated it. I had no idea what was going on from start to finish. I didn't have a clue. I hated the way it was shot. I hated the fucking keyboard music. My God. It was loud. It made no sense. It was fucking out of tune as far as I could tell. It, oh, it's fucking horrible. Everything was just stupid. Um, Nick Cage is quite funny. And obviously the face he pulled at the end was brilliant. Um, and some of the deaths were quite brutal. But if we weren't reviewing this, as I said, I think about half an hour ago, I would have turned it off after the first half hour. I was struggling. And it does get better, I suppose. The last 45 minutes are watchable to a certain extent. Um, but I can't believe I fucking paid three forty nine to rent this shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it I'm going to give it one other because I can't be bothered to mess around with teats. It is better than the nostril picker, I think and kill a condom it gets one other just because of nick cage's face at the end i think that was the saving <laughs> grace but i'd be quite happy to never watch this film again and it disappears off my amazon thing in 20 odd hours and yeah it's never coming back so there we go <laughs> well there we go jt wasn't a fan as no. i said like the first time i watched it i didn't have a fucking clue but i did enjoy it second time round. but again i'm not gonna ever force you to try and watch it again <laughs> i think you've made your decision on that one but um yeah, yeah, there we go. That is um, <laughs> three udders from me, one udder from JT for Mandy. That's a fucking generous udder as well, I tell you. <laughs> Packed full of special cage goodness. Yeah. So um, next week we've decided what we're going to do, and it's another bloody Nick Cage film, isn't it? But I've got high hopes for this one, although I had high hopes for Mandy. So we're going to be looking at Willy's Wonderland, which again... You've got, haven't you? But I'm going to have to pay for it on Amazon, so it's better be fucking good. Yeah, no, I bought this because, um, again, I haven't seen it. It's still shrink-wrapped on my... Because I knew it was one we discussed that if we ever got our hands on it, we would review it. 
I, I don't remember much of the trailer, but I did watch it. And at the time I thought, yeah, this looks fucking bonkers and it should be good fun. Again, it's going to be um, a, a first watch for both of us this time. So going into it with absolutely no kind of prior knowledge to really what I'm going to be walking into. Hopefully yeah. it's good. But yeah, yeah. Willie's Willie's Wonderland. I think it's only three ninety nine to buy and to keep on Amazon. So I'll, I'll just buy it anyway. So I think it's the same to rent. Um, and my girlfriend's actually watching it at the moment, and she has just texted me saying it's weird. So it can't be fucking weirder than what I've just watched, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, well, that'll be next week's more Nick Cage. More Nick Cage, indeed. And um, as always, thank you for listening to our podcast as we blunder our way through the most random films we can get our hands on. Um, if you do enjoy the show, then by all means, drop us a message on Twitter at the Hyperbaric Goats. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's any movies you think you should recommend. Don't ever recommend anything that's done by the guy who did fucking Killer Condom or <laughs> Nostril Picker. All <laughs> this. Um, for JT's fucking sanity. But um, yeah, if not, just reach out and just give us a shout on uh, Twitter. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, and we will be back with you next week for Willy's Wonderland. And this is Bread Roll signing off. Yes, and this is JT. We just one last thing to say. The darker the whore, the brighter the flame. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction.